This is the Commercial Appeal. I think communication is a great thing, and uh, I, don't, I don't think we never had to address that with the media. I got to address the media every time I cast uh, Mike Conley out, it, you know, or he cast me out. You know, we'll be here only talking about that every day. So things are going to happen. We play with a great intensity, with a lot of passion, a lot of emotion, and we want to do great for our fans. And when we, we don't accomplish that, we get frustrated. So we got to do a better job of, of all doing it at the same time. And uh, as a collective, collective effort, you know, everything's going to work out. I know that. This is the Grizzlies Podcast with Grizzlies beat reporter Ron Tillery, columnist Jeff Calkins, and pick and pop columnist Chris Harrington. Welcome back in into the awesome Commercial Appeal Studios for this edition of your Grizzlies Podcast. I'm Ron Tillery, the only beat writer the Memphis Grizzlies have ever known, joined by pick and pop columnist Chris Harrington and our lead sports columnist Jeff Calkins. And I'm... Um, you know, Mark just said it all. You know, there's this been a lot of conversation about the morale of the team and the mood of the team. And Tony Allen took to Twitter to address it, and and uh, and and we're gonna address it. Uh, you know, as much of it can be a non-story because in professional sports, you know, uh, you, you know, you're gonna have some tension uh, at times. Um, but you know, I, I think from a basketball standpoint, guys, it. it, it if you just look at what's going on with the team, yes, they have issues defensively, but they also have the same issue today, more than half of the regular season schedule play that they did when they started. And that is how much can you count on Chandler Parsons and how much help do they really have at the backup point guard position? And so you put those three together and you, and you put losing with it. And yeah, you're going to see some, some heated debates. I have a hard time, and, and you're closer to it, much closer to it on a day-to-day level than, than Jeff and I are. But just going by, and Jeff wrote about this today, and I wrote about it a little bit, going over the last six years and sort of seeing how the, the arcs of these seasons go, like it doesn't seem like we're in unprecedented territory here. Yeah. And so I have a hard time getting worked up about it when I see that they've hit these speed bumps pretty much every season and they've gotten their way through it with the same core players. Right. Yeah, I know, no doubt. I mean – you know, Fizdale has pushed a lot of buttons this season. One of the things he has tried to encourage, you know, is that interaction. Like, I'm not going to just be the leader of this team. You guys need to talk it out. You guys need to confront each other. And I, I think that's something that Lionel Hollins often uh, wished he had, but he had a younger team. And, and, and I'm sure Dave Yeager. Well, is that what's different though? Is that when when they have made it through this in the past, they they were made it made it made it through it in part with a coach leading them through it. Exactly. If the coach is going to force them to work themselves through it, is that sort of is that the unprecedented territory of this? I, I think that that was that's what it is because now we're seeing much more interaction on the court. Uh, in the past, when you know Rudy Gay wanted to choke OJ Mayo in Denver, that that was dissension. <laughs> now now we're seeing these guys going. Why did you do this? You know, we're supposed to be doing that. And, and they're actually talking it out. And in the heat of the moment, it looks like bickering. Right. To me, it was uh, – first of all, I have to, if you look at what LeBron James yesterday said about the Cavs and you imagine that Mark or someone had said that about the Grizzlies, like that would be – that's blasting management sort of and saying, you know, we're a, we're a top-heavy team. And right. So what was said here was, was child's play. And then the funny thing with Tony is – is while Tony gets grief for having gone on Periscope and shed a light on dissension or whatever, the truth of the matter is what he said was no big deal. Like what right. he said was exactly what 
Mike Conley and Mark said yesterday at practice. All he said was, this is nothing, people. Like, he wasn't going on Periscope to say there's a problem here. He was going on Periscope to say there's not a problem here. So yeah. I, I was I was struck by all that. To me, the, only, the, the differences with – not differences, but – the, the challenges this year, I think, are the ones that, that you mentioned, is that um, they have always gotten through it. I mean, they sort of got through it last year. They stumbled through it in the end. Mm-hmm. That, they, the, that they, they didn't get through it was a result of injuries. Injuries, right. 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 Um, to me, the interesting thing here is is um, there are some structural challenges with the roster that need to be sorted out at some, at some point, and those structural challenges – play into whatever dissension or grumbling or whatever it is you yeah. might suggest because um, there's too many wing players for those spots. There's not a point guard. There's We're going to have Brandon Wright returning very shortly, and then there might be too many bigs for those spots. And so... And I'm not. Maybe I'm forgetting the structural issues because there were some structural issues before about Jeff Green's play and where well, he fit. Well, backup point guard is like a constant, a yeah. constant wound they've been they've been treating for. That's years. That's also something. Yeah, they, they've gotten over. They, well, they, they <laughs> sort of. I mean, the the. the the weak point guards that they had make make this seem magnificent by comparison right. to what they have now. Yeah. I actually think it's striking what you said though, Ron, is that if you look at the beginning of the season, what you worried about. Those are still the two things that you most worry about, and I don't think either one has gotten better in terms of whether – I am more worried about Chandler Parsons and his long-term impact and everything else now than I was the first day of media day, and I am more worried or, – or, and I'm more convinced that the answer to the backup point guard position is not on the roster than I was the first day of media day. So both of those big questions have either been answered – you know. Are, 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 not positively at this point. Well, they give you no optimism. You know, right. when you're looking at the second half of the season after the All Star break. I mean, we're already into the second half of the schedule. But, but I, I don't, I don't know if you see the optimism there. Well, I guess I would say relative to what's going wrong right now, those are lingering problems that don't have an obvious resolution. Um, whereas the core problems that you see seem easy, you know, more easily fixable or the, the tools are there to fix them. But the core problems we're having now are not about those two things. It's about the team defense, which was good this season, you know, without a, lot with, with a lesser <laughs> yeah. group right. of players. The nasty nine. I'll, I'll, I'll get Fizdale's comment in. There. Right. And then secondly, it's about this Mar- Marcus all Mike Conley together, which has been a constant for years that they've been really good with those two players together in the last few weeks. Whatever's happening, that their chemistry seems off a little bit. Yeah, you know, I happen to think Mike is still playing hurt. Right, uh, he won't admit it, but um, you know, the the back and that is, might in, that might impact the team defense as well. Yeah, because he can't stop people. I mean, like people are beating him off the dribble routinely, and that's putting a lot of pressure on Mark. And and then Tony's confused. And then I thought it was kind of interesting interesting that Mike said we're still calling out plays when Lionel was here. So it's like. They're still trying to grasp the but system. But that shouldn't be any different than a month ago. Like, right. that part of it yeah. shouldn't be different. Like, the interesting question is what happened between a month ago when they were number one in the league defensively and now? Is it, like, yeah, why? Why is there suddenly, can they not figure out how to cover a pick and roll or whatever? Why is there confusion? Why is there, when a month ago, 
there didn't seem to be any of that. They that, were, that, that stretch in the Houston game was one of the worst I've ever seen. Yeah. I, I know there have been worse games in terms of the points they gave up or shooting right. percentage, but just watching them in that stretch in the second half where almost every time down the floor it was either Sam Decker's a wide-open three or there's someone's dunking at the rim mm-hmm. with Marcus Hall guarding on the perimeter or no one you know sliding over to cover. Right. And it seemed like play after play, they just did not know what they were trying to do, and they were getting really frustrated with each other about it. They were, and, 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 and it is uh, confusing because – you know, the one point that Fizdale has tried to make, in addition to the, all the other little buttons he's pushed, is that, you know, we're, we're not going to change our style based on who's on the floor. So everybody's got to play Grizzlies basketball court in the Fizdale. You know, he, he kind of called out the vets yesterday at practice when, when basically he said what you just explained. You know, when I had the young kids flying around, the nasty nine, you know, we we were number one. You know, how come my vets can't? You know, rise to that ta- level. Who's he talking about? Because Mark was part of the that. Well, he, the, Mark was part of that, and yeah. Tony was healthy then. And so is that, that the only oh, vet who's Mike back Conley. who wasn't before is Mike Conley. Well, Mike Conley can't stand for anybody, and he's constantly yelling Fisdale at Tony about gambling. Right? Tony gambles, and uh, I, I don't know if there's a way to quantify it, but right. an awful lot, and it drives Fisdale crazy. And that's, so that's and, and two that, people off the string, quote unquote. And that's know. tough because that's just that is that is what Tony Allen is, right? Yeah. Like he, the old dog new tricks thing, right? He's been gambling his whole life, right? And in the past, and maybe even now, I don't know, but but he's had a tendency to be able to gamble and recover better than most NBA players, sure. which is why he's been able to generate a lot of steals and turnovers and still play good positional defense it'll bite him sometimes yeah but you know it, there does come a point as you age that maybe you don't recover the way you used to and maybe it becomes more of a problem i i think that's what's driving fizz a little batty and of course you know that's a marriage that's you know trying to take shape and he's not, <laughs> well, and, he's and not every, used to that every me. single coach has had to come to grips with tony yeah. allen oh no Dave doubt yeager has had his moments <laughs> right. with tony allen lionel, lionel used had, to ignore him. yeah, you know, lionel, <laughs> yeah and, and had his moments with tony allen so um, at some point, a coach may get sick of Tony Allen. May, may you know, and I, I, I don't know. To me, he didn't play in the fourth quarter. That's right. Of that last right. game, which is interesting because it, I mean, didn't really get away from him until. But it is funny. He, had, he hadn't done. He didn't do much in that game leading up to that point. To, to no, but his numbers were not as bad as Jermichael Green's or yeah. Vince Carter's or James Anna. James Ennis was like the other wings were all horrible in that game. Right. It's well, not like they were great and Tony was ah dragging them down. Tony's actually was probably better than I don't know. That, that certainly than James. That was as bad as I've seen James Ennis play ever what what i have a question for for and maybe this is premature but we do see brandon wright's healthy now or is practiced yesterday might come back do you think he's gonna we're gonna see him this week think might might see him tomorrow around or not um i don't know about tomorrow uh it sounds like yesterday was his first practice right. monday i think we'd see him on the trip, on the road, on the yeah, road trip. On the trip. Yeah. do Six you think there is something coming do you think there is i think they have to do something uh listen the clippers are out of whack now with chris paul being injured, um, they're bunched up with teams that they're equal to, uh, Utah, Oklahoma City. If if they want to, you know, get the best position that they can possibly get in the West standings and also try to make a run, I mean, this is not a championship team, don't get me wrong, uh, then they have to because they're just these glaring weaknesses that we've already discussed um, that you just don't see a solution for. I mean – Maybe Chandler Parsons gets more minutes and becomes the playmaker. He's been bad though. But um I mean he's got what, thirty something games to do it? The problem <laughs> the problem with Parsons is that 
your decision with every other player on this roster right now, you can make decisions. I guess you could do this with Parsons, but they're not. You're making decisions based on what's the best thing for you to win. Like now, right? right? With Parsons, you're not playing him 20 minutes a game because necessarily because that's the best way to win the game tonight. Right. You're playing him that because you think the best way the best way to be the best version of yourself ultimately is when he gets healthy and you have to play him to get to that point. And so it's almost a separate track as a coach of you're thinking about what are you going to be in in April and to be that you got to get him healthy and you got to get him healthy without playing him. And it's sort of a it's a difficult thing, right? Yeah, because I'm sitting in Oklahoma City, and they have a chance to win that game, actually. And Chandler Parsons had it going, 7 of 12, without a three and a free throw. When he hit his minutes in the, in the third quarter, early in the third quarter, that was it. And they and they surely could have used him that night. But right. there was more no commonly, thought. More commonly, though, it's, it's the, other the other way. way. More right. commonly, it's the other way, is that yeah. he's hurting you, and yet you still have to play him 20 minutes. Yeah. If only the, if only the what, what are you calling them, the North Mississippi... <laughs> The, the, the North um, Mississippi the creeping, kudzu. The creeping kudzu. If, if North, only the North, North Mississippi, Mississippi creeping yeah. kudzu were available here, we could I really send think him Mississippi down. Mississippi Hellhounds is my favorite. We bit. could send him down and play a couple games there right. and work himself into shape. But I, I agree completely. Like that's a separate. They're looking at a separate timetable with Chandler Parsons. They yeah. they play him. You know, and so it's almost like like you say, positively or negatively, it's like a set thing, and it's not yeah. you're not reacting to the game. It's just like Chandler Parsons is playing these minutes, and here's where he's playing do think, them. Do you think he would be? I'm I'm just curious. If he were just to uh, not exist right now, Chandler Parsons, you would they him? be better or worse? Is he dead? No, he just he went off. He went off for a pro- prolonged. He went off to a prolonged GQ shoot. Would they be winning more? Would they be playing the better basketball? Would they Parsons. be playing? Would they be playing better basketball? I feel like they might. You know, if you like retroactively over the last three weeks, I yeah. feel like they probably would have been a little bit better because they would have been a little bit more cohesive. They certainly would be better defensively. So um, is is that to say that Parsons is the problem for the slow starts? Not, the, oh, I think he's a problem for yeah, the slow I think starts. A, I think he's a, a problem. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I think he's a problem. I mean, I mean, you pointed out. I think Mike Conley's a little bit of a problem right now for the slow starts. <laughs> you can't say in front of anybody, and Chandler Parsons is a problem for the slow starts. And yeah, they all just need a yoga mat and <laughs> and and just work it out. Right, exactly. Right. <laughs> so he's a good uh, trend. So too. okay, so if they if they have to do something, um, because when Brandon Wright comes back, if he's healthy. That creates an opportunity, doesn't it? It's you. You've now got whether it's Jermichael Green or Brandon Wright. There's there's some. I will say right before we came into the studio, um, I was talking to Bob Mayer, our music writer, who is a Los Angeles native and a lifelong Lakers fan. And he and I were trying to put together a Lou Williams deal to get Lou Williams to the Grizzlies. <laughs> we have not got all the details worked out yet, <laughs> right. but we're working on it. And when we're done, we'll submit our proposals to Chris Wallace and whoever's running the Mitch, Mitch Cup check. So but, maybe we can get that get that done. But isn't it interesting how? The defense seems to come and go and go far, far, far more often than it comes, which is to me to suggest that as they embrace this whole grind city thing, they're not the gritty and, and grindier team that we've come to know and love. In 10 days, as we, as we look at the, the, the voids and the holes, Tony Douglas fit that role perfectly. And oh, they would not, have been not, a better team. If they had cut, <laughs> if, if they had cut Andrew Harrison, which I'm not opposed to, by the yeah. way, if they had cut Andrew Harrison and kept Tony Douglas, and I'm not saying that that that's the answer, but yeah. I don't believe Andrew Harrison. Tony Douglas it, hasn't ended up anywhere, has he? No, he hasn't. No. Well, nobody really actually. has. They would have won right more now. basketball games. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, they. I mean, he gave them that kind of spark, you know. Because the roster used to be league. full of people like that, and now you kind of got the and core yet, four, and then. Well, do, yeah. do, I'm I'm strictly playing devil's advocate yeah. here. By the way, we say that, 
And as, as as much as a lot, we sort of you know we put our hand our, our head in our hands a lot of times watching Andrew Harrison play offensively, that stretch when they were really good defensively was him playing a lot. Right. Um, Seven and two without Mike Conley. That was him. And being you know a they got lucky in some of those games. They yeah. were winning really close games. But like he he he's a much better defensive player at this point than he is an offensive player. And they probably downgraded their point guard defense with I don't I don't know. Well, that's interesting. Interesting because um, you know normally young and experienced players have a tough time transitioning to NBA defense. Right. So that says a lot about the kid. He's bigger, he's more physical, and, yeah. and then, like you said, since, since the injury, we haven't seen the old Mike Conley yeah. defensively. Right. And yeah. then they tried to plug Andrew Harrison back in against the Wizards, and it was a disaster. He was. It's almost as if by being taken out of the lineup, he's now a defeated human. And yeah. I mean, he you was, just what, never was know if he's seven shots. Seven minutes. Was it against Sacramento where he came off the bench and made a couple shots, or some game recently where recently, he came out yeah. and made a couple of shots? But then there will be other nights where like you, he just, he just can't do anything at all, and you do yeah. have no idea what you're going to get. I know the numbers say otherwise, but it, it doesn't strike me that the whole Tony Allen experiment at point guard has been necessarily effective. I haven't looked at. I looked at it three or four games ago. I haven't updated it since then. When I looked at it, they were they had played like fifty total minutes without any point guard on the floor. Mm-hmm. And at that point, in fifty minutes, it's like an NBA game, right? That that, yeah, that like spits out a score that looks like a real NBA game. Sure. And the score through those fifty minutes was 85-81 in the Grizzlies' favor. So they were a very very slight positive, but it was because they were better defensively, not because they were better offensively. Right. My concern with it is it's one thing in a regular season, guys aren't really pressuring him. You get into the playoffs and you're trying to play Tony Allen. 10 minutes a game at point guard and a team decides to key on that and really pressure him I don't know that's going to work yeah that's why I think something has to happen because you're right and, and his decision making is still not very good even when he's off the ball <laughs> right. on offense when Utah Utah did it when Utah pressured him he turned the ball over on two straight possessions right and and that's all you need to right. do that, and it's this is by the way not Tony Allen's fault he's not supposed to be a point guard <laughs> no 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 you know, it's not it's it's the fault of the management that has him playing at point guard that has yeah. does not have a better answer at point guard than Tony Allen at point guard i still say when people ask me about the grizzlies they're overachieving they I, are overachieving I, I, relative to what the preseason oh, prognostications I, were. Well, and relative yeah. to like everything that's going on. I mean, you've got young, inexperienced players who are not necessarily dynamic. You've got this medical team telling you as a coach when you can and cannot play players and how long you can play them. That, that seems to not be an issue of Marcus All anymore, right? No, no. They're, they just stopped talking about that. <laughs> right. right. And then you've had guys and, and important players in and out of rotation because of injuries. And yet... Here they are. They're not the Kings. Right. <laughs> oh, no, I agree with that completely. Like, yeah. who do they really – it was funny, you, you were, were pointing to Mark and Mike, but who can you count on? Who should you be able to count on on that team game in and game out? And there's only two players, right? I mean, it's, Zach's been really good, honestly, in his role. Zach has been really good in his role and 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 Tony. But really, it's, it is a – they're, they have historically been – you're surrounding them with Jermichael Green, who's looked very good at some times and less good at other times. Well, James Ennis, who – Jermichael Green and maybe – well, James Ennis sort of, I guess. But I, started, I wrote about this before the season even started. They have, they're old and they're young. They don't have a lot of like core players in their – what you consider your NBA prime. And so right. beyond Mark and Mike, you look at that roster and it's like Chandler Parsons is not healthy. And it's Troy Daniels who's hurt right now and hasn't really gotten a solid role. And so it's like Jermichael Green. It's like you either have old guys like Vince and Tony right. and Zach or you have these young guys. You don't have a core players, established players in their prime like yeah. a lot of these other teams do. Well, you mentioned Vince. Um, and before the week is out, he will have turned 40. And we will have another bit of news as to who, if any Grizzly, will make the All-Star team. So let's start with Vince. Um, some people who I talk to who are fans – 
get a little frustrated about how much Vince plays. Right. But I think it speaks to the whole wing issue that Jeff brought up earlier. That's who he trusts <laughs> to do the right thing. He, That's who he trusts to, to know the plays. Well, he the thing about Vince is, and, and there's, a, there's a case to be made that he should be playing less mm-hmm. given the effectiveness that Troy Daniels has had, but Vince is actually the guy who you can like, check all three boxes in that you can trust him defensively. Mm-hmm. Um, he can he can shoot and, g- and give you some points. He can also handle the ball a little bit and bring it up in the same way that Tony Allen can. And he's a veteran, and so it doesn't surprise me that um, that he would be playing this much. Um, at some point, if, if if and when Chandler Parsons gets healthy and Troy Daniels gets healthy again, I don't know that Vince Carter playing the minutes he's playing now is your highest upside lineup. Yeah. yeah. What does it say, Jeff, about Vince uh, at forty to be a, um, a relevant role player? Uh, on a on a playoff team, I don't know. I mean, the guy is just incredible. I, 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 I was listening. To you, you obviously were doing interviews on Vince yesterday yeah. uh, with a lot of the players out there. And what Mike said was, I thought, perfect. He said, "You forget that it's Vince Carter. <laughs> like, like it is Vin, that is Vince Carter, right. Hall of Famer. And the thing that allows you to forget that is his humility." We just don't see a lot of humility with, you know, it, it is it is his humility that has allowed him to extend his career the way he has. That is, I mean, contrast that with the other Hall of Famer who came rolling in here, Allen Iverson. And it's just, it is striking. We just don't see that level yeah. of humility from superstar players. And I don't know that's an original thought, but it is, um, I mean, it's it's really remarkable that yeah. that what that what he's been able to to do and the transition he's been able to make because you know i'll be honest like if if a much smaller i'm no vince carter but if they said jeff we don't want you to be a columnist anymore we think you could be a uh, you know you could work on the desk or whatever else for a little bit and you'd be good in that i'd say f you like i mean you know <laughs> right i just most of our egos that's what mark don't says. allow us yeah. to do that yeah. and there's vince carter one of the great most explosive dynamic players ever and he's done it yeah, so we're at UCLA uh, for a practice, and I walk from the building to the bus with Vince. And it's probably two blocks, if you yeah. can you know, think of a distance. First, he stops to sign autographs. Well, no, no. First, he's offering to help with the bags because the rookies <laughs> are supposed to help the equipment guys with the right. bags. And Vince is like, I'll grab one. I'm thinking to myself, I didn't say anything, but I'm thinking to myself, <laughs> Vince, right. plus you're, you're almost 40. You might hurt your back. <laughs> and so then we walk out. And he stops to sign autographs, take pictures, no problem. And we're walking, and I just joke with him. I said, hey, you know, I, I know I'm getting an invite to this 40th birthday party. He's like, ah, I'm not doing anything. I was like, really? He's like, no. He was like, you know, it seems like we always play on my birthday. So through the years, the milestone birthdays have never really mattered. He said, what am I going to do, party the night before the game? or you know?" And so it just so happens his birthday is Thursday, so the Grizzlies will travel to Portland. And I said, uh, well, you know, it's kind of a big deal. And he was like, really? Why? He was like, a lot of guys have turned 40. And I was Not like, the NBA. I was like, yeah, but a lot of guys aren't Vince Carter. And, right. and that part of it just didn't resonate with him. He was just like, what's the big freaking deal? And I just thought that was interesting because not only is he just turning 40, he's not turning 40 and just hanging on with the Spurs, getting a championship right. at the end of the bench. I mean, he's 40 and he's contributing. And, and the humility part is real. Yeah. Because because he just doesn't get it. He doesn't understand the hype. And it will be a big deal this week <laughs> because he is the oldest active player. And, and active is the operative word. He might play next year. He's played yeah. well enough to play next year if he wants to play yeah. for somebody. 
All right, who's going to play in the All Star game? Well, you you um, got you got a lot of undeserved flack for this one, right? For your starting votes. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, you know I, I I love the clowns that come out at me on Twitter because you know they they just bring up stupid stuff. <laughs> but I, I was uh, vindicated by the uh, rest of the media and the players who voted pretty much like I voted. Yeah, I, I, uh, there was there was no case to be made for Mike Conley to be a starter. I think you could have made a case for Marcus All. I would not have voted for him. Ultimately, I would have voted for Anthony Davis, like you did. As far as the reserves, I may try to write something about this tomorrow morning if I have time. I think it's a close call for the Grizzlies. I, I think the last month has not helped their case yeah. in terms of the team struggles. I think with Marcus All, they're both Marcus All and Mike Kyler are both in a situation where there's a lot of competition at their positions. Right. Where you have Marcus All, Boogie Cousins, um, Draymond Green, Lamarcus Aldridge, Rudy Gobert, and I don't think he should be in the conversation, but DeAndre Jordan will probably be in the conversation. You got six, you know, power forward center types, and they can't all make it. Yeah. Um, I feel like Gasol is likely to make it. Right. Um, with Conley, uh, Russell Westbrook, and Chris Paul. Chris Paul probably won't play in the game, but he will still get you know voted on. So those two right. guys are ahead of Mike. Because coaches believe in that, by the way, right. they believe in like if you're an all star, it goes player, on your record and it, it, it yeah, may exactly. impact your contracts. That's exactly and the whole thing. right. And so him being hurt won't matter. Right. So Westbrook yeah. and Paul are definites to at least make the roster. So then, if you how many more guards you take? One at most, probably at that point. Mm-hmm. This is before you get to an injury replacement. I think there's a probably case. Clay Thompson. Maybe Clay Thompson, maybe Damian Lillard. Portland struggled. He's averaging like 26 points a game. Yeah. I think there's a case you could make for Mike Conley ahead of both of those guys. I'm not convinced that 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 he actually gets on ahead of those guys. Yeah. And so even if you get, even if like say Damian Lillard makes it, then you have an injury replacement. We're still battling against Clay Thompson. So I, I, my guess would be Gasol is likely to make the team and Conley is likely not, but I don't think it's a certainty that he doesn't once you have the injury re- replacement. Yeah. No, I agree with that. I mean, I, it, you know, it's funny because, um, Mark Gasol has now four straight games of scoring 24 points or more. And that's the most in his career in terms of consecutive scoring outbursts. And I asked him about that. I said, you know, is this you? deciding to be more aggressive or are you just taking advantage of you know how teams are playing you and he scoffed and he just wouldn't answer the question when everybody left and I was like you know like why wouldn't you answer and he was like I know why but I'm not telling you so I think it is a concerted effort to Mark- make it to make an all-star team no 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 not, not, no, 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 no. Not, not to make an all-star team but to prove a point as Mark often does right you know I can just score it's like last year with the Nick game when he scored 38. It's like at Detroit when he went off. If you want me to score, I'll just score. It t- I mean, it how many times, Chris, do you watch way, him spin yeah. and see Andrew Harrison or somebody he doesn't like right. uh, and just force a shot? He, he ain't passing it. Right, <laughs> and, and that's not in other words, that's I, not true to Marcus Hall. I agree to that. So, but, <laughs> but, but in other words, to isolate what that is, he might be scoring – and in a way, at man, like at the rest of the team, you right. know, like to right. express his displeasure. Fine, I guess I got to do all this myself. Right. Um, and that's, that's not necessarily a productive thing in terms of whether he, he makes the All Star team. I think it's likely he will. Yeah. as you have pointed out, this team is overachieving. The league should notice this team is overachieving, mm-hmm. and largely because Mike has missed time with injury, you have to point to Marcus well as the reason why. It seems to me he should be rewarded for that, Mike. I don't think we'll both make it, but I actually do think that the that Chris Paul's absent as an injury replacement might open up a slot for him right. that he might never have. This might be his best chance ever of getting an All Star. Because if, if he had if he had never had that injury, I yeah. think he would have a pretty strong case right now. Yeah. Oh, oh, no doubt about it. 
mean, he, he was definitely playing at an all-star level before that back injury. Right. There's no doubt about that. All right. Well, this is the all-star edition of your Grizzlies podcast. We got to get out of here. We'll talk to you next time. Like the commercial appeal on Facebook and follow on Twitter at Memphis News. This is the Commercial Appeal.